0: You're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you in some small way will be blessed and transformed by this message. I mean this series called Church, Church. We did it a couple of years ago, but it was called Ecclesia or Ecclesia. And uh, this is the final message in it. Let me just tell you quickly where we've been. Week one was called Born, Born, and it was talking about the, the most fundamental aspect of church. The fact is this, Jesus said to a man once, he said, don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again. And wrapped up in that little phrase is a lot, of st- a lot of stuff that the Holy Spirit gets up to inside of us to give us faith to become part of God's family. But also what Jesus was trying to get across is this, that it doesn't matter what your background has been. It doesn't matter what your lineage is. It doesn't matter whether you can look at great and famous ancestors or whether your background and your family life has been horrendous and you would never wish it on anyone else. It doesn't matter what part of, of genetics or DNA has been passed down to you and how you can show off about certain things or how you feel embarrassed about certain things. None of that matters, Jesus was saying. Because that's being born by water. That's, he was alluding to when a woman's waters break. That, that's, that's what that means. You're following your, your natural bornness. I tell you, if you want to be part of God's family, have peace with God, have a relationship with God, you've got to be born again by the Spirit. And part of that means accepting what comes with being born. You accept a new adopted identity as a child of God. And of course, there's part of us, which uh, Paul the Apostle writes as being the old person of us, that is always, always clamoring back to just the natural identity. And reveling and loving that. And all the time there's this tension between us as followers of Jesus embracing our new identity, a countercultural identity. That was week one. Week two we looked at gather, which once we then are born again, we come into this fact that this you are born into a new family. And you you can't do anything about it. I mean, if you are born again, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, and you begin following Him, you cannot do anything about the fact that you have a huge family now, with lots of people in it that you might not even like, that you wouldn't have chosen as brothers or sisters, but nevertheless, they are your family. And so much of the New Testament is grappling with that kind of thing. It's trying to help us deal with that. So we we talked about that our faith journey is very much a together thing. It's surprising how little the words I, me, and mine appear in Scripture. But us and we and ours and together... Are paramount. And so to be a solo Christian is a dangerous thing. If in fact you can even last being one. Because as I understand it, we are the body of Christ and not me. And if I am to, try and do faith or life in Jesus alone, I may just be like a little toe trying to crawl along the floor on my own little journey. When I need the rest of the body. You get that? Week three, we talked about go. Go. And we understood, we understood that. If gathering is like inhaling to a church, going is like exhaling. And if a church becomes too comfortable with just inhaling, you will either burst or die. One of the two things. Exhaling is part of our respiration as Christians. We gather and we go. We celebrate and we are sent. When the service is over, the real service begins. You get that? It's part of what we are. And we ignore that, if you like, at the church's peril. And so we unpacked that a little bit. Today, uh, the title is Flow, Flow. And we're going to look at at simply this. What is local church? I mean, we know what church is with a capital C all around the world. It's the the family of Christ. But what is is this quirky thing called local church? And we're we're going to look into that. But before we do that, we're going to read the Bible. And I'm going to break one of my golden rules. And we're going to read lots of the Bible. So usually the rule I have for myself is that maybe... Quote three or four verses, but only ever show one, and preach from that, okay? So I am now breaking my own rule, and we're going to read, or I'm going to read it, and you're going to follow it, loads of the Bible. Is that all right? From the, one of the queen of epistles, Ephesians, and we're going to look at chapter one, and a little bit into chapter two, and you're going to see it on the screen, and you're going to listen to my voice, and you're going to think, this is going on, and on, and on, You'll be doing that, but I ask you, keep your mind in order, keep focused, listen to what it's saying, listen out for some stuff here. Listen for a sense of reliance on Christ. Listen to what that's something that Paul the Apostle, who wrote this, is emphasizing a sense of reliance on Jesus Christ. Listen out for a sense of the church flowing through time. Listen out for that. Listen out for a sense of us rather than me. Those kind of things. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? I'm reading from the message version. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and in everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. That's why, when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank, I ask. Ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for us, his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven. In charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own, with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Let's just close our eyes and pray a moment. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, just in those, that chapter and a, and a little bit, there is a whole host of stuff that if we unpacked it in our lives, would change us radically. That sense of being your church. The body of Christ. By which you choose to make yourself known to the world. Lord, we thank you first because you have chosen us first. We did nothing to be saved. You made us and you saved us. Thank you. We revel in that. And now, Lord, today as we just learn a bit more about what it means to be this together church in a, in a local setting, will you help us? Just give some of us bits of revelation. Let some of us just learn something new. Let some of us feel something different. But let us not leave the same as when we came in. So will you give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey? And everyone said... Amen. Did you see, by the way, the sense of reliance on Christ through that passage? I mean, it was just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus at the center all the time. Did you see the sense of flow through time as well? Paul the Apostle kept talking about before the beginning, before anything was created, that there, was, there was some kind of plan going on, and you're involved in the plan. I mean, what a, a mind-blowing concept. Did you see all the way through it the sense of us and togetherness, and we. In fact, there was only one mention of you as an individual, and that was to do with belief. He says this, that I would know him personally. That's being born again. That's where it starts, that you would know him personally, and once you've done that, it suddenly becomes an us thing. Did you also... Spot right at the end, Paul the Apostle goes at length to say that Jesus invites us to join him on his plans. Work he wants to get up to, and we know he could do it on his own, but he says, join me. I want to do it with and through you. Wow, if we could just grasp four or five of those little concepts, it, it would change the way we live and breathe, wouldn't it? It would change the way we worship. It would change the way we pray. And it's all in there, and that's a wonderful epistle to read. If you have, uh, if you have time on your hands and you just want to leave a Bible reading feeling inspired or with a sense of awe, Or wow, there's so much more to this than... The epistle of the Ephesians is one of those that you can read. It's just like that. So uh, today I want to talk about local church. This church, how about that? Um, You see, what is local church? I mean, some people say a local church is, well, it's that church that meets there, isn't it? But the problem is a local church hasn't always met here. You know, we used to meet. I grew up meeting in Humberside Paints and Products. Is that the church? And before that, there was a tin tabernacle. And before that, there was an upstairs room, which is now a car park near Wicks. I mean, is that the local What? what so it's not geography, is it? It's not a particular geography uh, on a street. Is it, um, is it a flow of pastors? Is, is that what a local church... Can you define it by that? I don't think so. Some pastors are... You know, they get chewed up and spat out in two years. I mean, it's not that kind of thing. Is it that you can trace certain families through a church? Well, most local churches, you can do that kind of thing. You can find two or three families that have been there right from the beginning. But the thing is, if you define the church by that, it suddenly becomes the mafia, right? <laughs> and you end up with a godfather or something, you know, that really is the power behind the throne and stuff, and that's a dangerous place to be. So what is, what is a local church? It's, it's an odd thing, and I just want to try and have a go at explaining it, because I really wrestled with this many years ago during my, my Sabbatical. I, I, I really rest, I wanted to grasp it so I knew how to outwork this kind of stuff that we'd just read in Ephesians. So I've asked uh, Jake to bring me a blackboard, a good old-fashioned blackboard. Anyone like squeaky chalk? Just John, just John. I will try and not squeak the chalk, but if I do, please forgive me. All right. Um, So, let me, let me have a go here. That's not bad at all, is it? It's a river. It's a river. I'm not gonna color it in because then I, without a doubt, I would squeak, okay? So, um, I think that local church is very much like a river. And the thing about rivers is they, uh, I mean, they always have, and this might be too small for you to read, but I will say it out loud. They always have a source. A source. Not S A U C E. A source. Now, that source could be a spring, right? The River Trent. Huge river starts from a spring somewhere near Bidulf, right? Just a little spring in the ground, and by the time it gets to us, it's huge, right? So a river always has a has a source, and that source could be a spring. It could be an overflow from another river that's just taken a detour. It, a, a, a river's source could be that it's a tributary from another river. Do you get that? It it could be so many different things. Uh, Our source um, was an overflow from another river. So a Pentecostal church in Doncaster looked around on a map and thought "There's there's nothing really lively and charismatic going on in Scunthorpe. Let's invite this healing evangelist to come along called George Jefferies. He's got a big tent. There's nothing he likes better than to set up crusades and preach. And and that was a catalyst for the start of this church about 1934, 1935. Henderson Avenue roundabout, anyone know it? One of the quirkiest roundabouts in the world. You can go either way round it, can't you? It's great, you love scaring visitors to the town. By turning right, <laughs> uh, it's great. Did you know there's a place in America called Scunthorpe Circle? Yeah, there is in a little little town in the southern states of America. Someone has obviously left Scunthorpe and gone over there and uh, become quite famous in a location, and they've named this area Scunthorpe Circle. I love it. Anyway, there we go. So. So our source was an overflow from a Pentecostal church in Doncaster. So every river has a source, and that's worthwhile thinking about, because the source of a river has something to say about the identity of the river. Right? There are some things from the source which still remain in the river. Now, that would be interesting to open up and talk about, wouldn't it? That we were birthed from an evangelistic healing campaign. Okay, let's just note that. Let's move on. So every river has a source. Every river has a a path too. And we can tell that. I mean, this, this is generally the kind of thing that rivers do. When they are, are small and narrow, they have a, a weaving path, and then they usually become a bit straighter and a bit wider. A path can be complicated. You get that? This church has had a complicated history. Path, uh, river paths can be complicated. They can be... Uh, Fast flowing, they can be slow flowing, they can be rough water, they can be smooth water. Anyone been in this church long enough to know a bit of everything about that? Yeah, rough water, smooth water. Fast flowing, it just seems like everything's going great. Slow flowing, where it just seems like stuff's not happening, whatever stuff is, right? So here's this local church, any local church, but I know we're all thinking about this one. It has a source, and then it has a path, and we know that some of these paths look awkward. And they can be awkward, the path of a church. In fact, one of the great things about the New Testament is you can read about all the churches that were written to. And the letter we just read was written to a local church that met in a city called Ephesus. And you can read about the paths of some local churches and what the apostles are writing to them. And they're dealing with stuff. Sometimes they will write to churches that are in a nice, smooth, fast-flowing period. And the apostles are all applauded. It's, well done, well done. This is great. Oh, every day I thank God for you. You're amazing. Thanks for sending us the money that's amazing. And then this other church, they'll write and go, you bunch of numpties. What are you doing? You've got the gift of tongues, and now all you do is babble in tongues all the time. You can't even speak your own language. You're, you're, what? And they write and they say stuff like this. Read the beginning of the book of Revelation, seven churches. I mean, they're right. And John, the apostle who writes to them, he gives them a hard time. And and they're just like us, just like a local church. And they have a path. And along the path, we experience what we experience. Tough times, hard times. Times where things are happening smooth and fast. Times where things are happening and it's rough and it's slow. And those kind of things can happen by... Elements from outside, deaths and experience from within, groups of disenfranchised people, errors by the leadership, and all those have happened. I mean, they've happened in me as a leader. If I, if I could write a book called Russ's Mistakes, it might not be a bestseller, but it would be true and big, Right? And and those kind of things happen. And and so there's a path of a local church. But nevertheless, we console ourselves when we open up the New Testament and realize that nearly every other church from the dawn of church has gone on that kind of journey. Have you ever noticed that, that when you're, you're going through stuff and you think you're the only one going through it, but you want to know what God has to say about it, you turn to the Bible. But then you forget that you're reading about someone else who's going through that stuff in a church 2,000 years ago. It's been going on forever. And we console ourselves with the fact that a lot of the battles we have to face now were being faced way back then. In local church, in Ephesus, in Galatia, in Colossae, in Philadelphia, in Laodicea, wherever it is, they've been faced. But a church certainly has a path. And you know, along the path, people come and go. And some people come because they're led by the Holy Spirit. And some people come because they had a spare couple of hours on a Sunday morning. And some people come because some strange people gave them a roof over their head on Froningham Road when they needed it. And some people come because their daughter just needed some help and they found this strange place called Gifted. And some people come because they got a warm meal. And some people come because their friend just said, Hey, I got a church on a Sunday. Come and see. Just come and see. And people leave, some people leave because they've got a job elsewhere and they have to follow their career. Some people leave because they've married and home life has changed and they just leave. And some people leave because they've been hurt or, and maybe cruelly hurt. Some people leave because they're not, they're not tough enough to cope with normal life and they've just waved goodbye to their faith. Some people they've entered into just situations in their life and life has squeezed their faith out of them and they've just left. Anything can happen. Goodness me, halfway through a boring sermon of my own, I've felt like leaving. <laughs> so what it must be like for you, I don't know. Sometimes I get you know, 15 minutes in, I think, oh dear, what's on the TV, you know? But isn't that true? I mean, let's be honest here, isn't that true? A local church has a, a source and it has a, a path. It also has, and I remember this from, uh, from school days when my teacher described a river as having a, a personality, do you ever think about a river having a personality? Now I, I guess not in the sense that we normally think of personality, but what they meant by this, that a river's personality develops because of what's in it and at the side of it. See, a river's personality. Fishermen would tell you this, anglers, you know. If you were to say to a certain angler, oh, I fancy catching some bream today or uh, a whole load of tench, right? If you'd never heard those fish before, don't worry about it. But, uh, and you say, I-, I think I'm going to go on the river Ancombe." A proper fisherman might go, no, don't go there. No, they don't like that river. Those kind of fish, you won't find them in that river. But don't fish go in every river. No, they don't, no, because rivers have personalities. Right? By personalities, I mean this. There's stuff that stays in the river from its source. There's stuff that is in the river picked up from the sediment of the geography that it goes through. Yes? So as the River Trent flows from Biddulph and it goes through a real clayey area of the country, what do you think is still in the river now? Some clay as it goes through an area which is really chalky. What do you think might remain in the river now? A bit of chalk. And these all go together to define a river's personality, the sediment that it picks up along the way. It can pick up a lot of things, a river. It can even pick up toxic spills, by the way. And so can church. And sometimes they take years to get rid of. Sometimes it it can take a, a river 50 miles for a toxic spill to dissipate so much that it doesn't matter anymore. And sometimes it can take a church 10 years to deal with a toxic spill. That would be another series, wouldn't it? Anyway, but they all go to make up a river's personality. But have you ever thought about this? And you'll know this from school. What does a river do besides collect sediment? It also deposits sediment. It leaves stuff as it goes through its journey. As the path continues, it leaves stuff. Its personality is developing sometimes by picking up things and sometimes by leaving things along. The way. And its personality is defined by its source, by its path, by what it picks, picks up, by what it leaves. It'd be an interesting exercise, wouldn't it? I don't know whether we would do it, maybe we'll do it with friends and partners one day, for you to take a piece of paper and head it up, the personality of new life and write a few key words down. What do you think is the personality of this local church? You see, there could be someone new who writes down five words for the personality, and then you take that piece of paper and you give it to someone who's been in this church 50 years, and they could tell you why we have that personality. See, we're like that because 15 years ago we made this decision. The demographics of this church are like they are because 20 years ago we made this decision. Can you understand this? Developing of a personality just like a river. If you were to see the River Trent there, you could step across it like this. That's what it is. But you could also drink from it. Personality changes, develops. Of course, the, the key thing about a river is, is this. That it is full of water, right? Uh, if there's no water in a river, it's called a dried-up riverbed. I mean, that's what it's called. Or at best, a valley. I mean, who wants to be a valley, right? Right? And who wants to be defined as a dried-up riverbed? The key thing about a river is it's full of water. And, and let's get this clear. We are not the water. Jesus is the water. Well, I mean, we've just read Ephesians 1 and part of Ephesians 2, which is a, a definition of a, of a church. And there's no doubt about it that the central thing of everything is Jesus Christ. If you like, we are a river in the sense that we carry the very presence of Jesus Christ. The thing that really makes the difference. Water, let's face it, is the stuff of life. And without Jesus, I can offer no life. And neither can you. Source path, personality, the crucialness of water. And of course, um, every river has an end, right? Some rivers end in other rivers, but ultimately those rivers end where? The sea. Do you know the Bible has a lot to say about the word sea? We won't open that up. But it's a glorious end. Aren't you looking forward to the day when we're just one ocean. You know, it's not going to be next month, right? But where all Jesus followers seem to forget that they are Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Church of England, Episcopalian, Catholic, whatever. (laughs) And we're just the sea. There's a phrase in the Bible called the glassy sea. It's talking about a host of people. And, and, and I love reading those phrases because it, it's us, right? It's us. For now, the local church is the hope of the world. It, it talks about the, the, what we've just read, talks about the church being the, the center of society and other things being the peripheral, if if we think about it, right? But there will come a day when all rivers will end in the ocean, and that ocean we will see brothers and sisters and family that we've never seen before and we'll realize, we'll look at them and we'll realize they all have the DNA of Christ and there we are. One day, we meet the sea. The Bible says it like this. Behold, he who sits on the throne says, I will make all things new. And everything changes. I look forward to that day. No more sickness, no more weeping, no more sorrow. No more denominations. No more fancy-named churches. Trying to outdo that church because they've got a fancy name. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? But that's not now. That's yet to come. But we end here in a sea. So there we are. There's the journey of local church. Welcome. Some of you have seen the tough times and the hard times. Some of you have been away and come back. Some of you have seen people and you've waved them off and they've said they're going to continue their faith journey somewhere else, and they've just not continued their faith journey. And and we see it happen, and any river, I guess, and you've seen it yourself, they, uh, they have little things that can happen. That can come off and, God forbid, but some rivers, they're damned. That wouldn't be good. That does have two meanings. May we not do that. But may we remember that as long as we carry the life of Christ, this church may always have A journey that is rough and smooth and fast and slow. But Jesus has ordained it. And we are part of it. And we're heading towards a sea. Now are you ready for the main bit of the talk? You see, local church is like a river, but let's face it, it's not just a river through geography. It's a river through time. 1935. Ish, and if I could tell you this date, I would be a millionaire. <laughs> but when one day everything is going to change, right? But here's the important thing: right now, today, we're there. Let's say, and for me, th- this is the thing that changed my outlook on church ministry. Because around any bank of a river, at any time, is an environment. You get that? I want you to get this. Local church is a river flowing through time, and our mission is clear. To irrigate the land as it passes our generation. Local church is a river that flows through time. And our mission is clear. We irrigate the land as it passes our generation. And here at the side of a river, you have plants and you have shrubs and you have trees and all manner of things. Close to the river, of course, there's always this thing called the the floodplain It's always wet. It's always fresh. That's you. That's the people who are close to a local church, right? I mean, you're just here. You're just getting wet all the time. You're just so close to the river. That's where you live. Are the Psalms not talking about that, that we should be like a tree that plants itself by the riverside? Okay? Okay. May, may we be trees who plant ourselves by the riverside where we're, we're getting the nutrients from the flow of Jesus in our locality but around us around the floodplain of, of us is a generation of people in our locality trees shrubs That need to get wet. And too many churches have flowed on by. Keeping the floodplain wet. And that is not new life. Wouldn't that be a shame? So here's the key word. irrigate. Do you know how to get things wet when they are further away from a river? You irrigate. You make channels so that things that are further away can get wet. Well, we're in a generation now. We're in this locality, and we have people all around us with I don't know so many different needs. We have some people around us who don't think they have a need at all, but you just know them, right? Life is going well for them. and um, But if you were to, to look whether they have any of the life of Jesus and a a solid trust in an eternity with Him, you would see they're dry and they need water. Other people have needs that are clear. We've been having them sleep at the, the, the church here for the last few weeks, sometimes up to 22 of them, and you can just see all over them that they have needs. Those kind of things are very clear, but other people's needs aren't clear, and they're they're dry. They're, They're in this area. They're not in the flood plain. So what is local church's job? It's to join Jesus, join Jesus in his mission, saying, the King is here. The King is here. And if Jesus is in charge, everything can change. You needn't be a poor, hopeless person. You can be a hopeful person. We can't promise you you'll be a millionaire. You may stay poor, but we can give you hope. Don't you hate it when the church offers people wealth in a secular sense? Don't You know, if you hear preachers say, saying when you become a Christian, you become wealthy financially, just turn them off. Turn them off, okay? Nonsense. That's not promised. Jesus doesn't say to the people in southern Somalia, follow me and you'll become the wealthiest person in the village. He says, follow me and I'll give you life. Life to the full. Forever. Forever. What a gift. And here we are in, in North Lincolnshire, in our generation, and uh, most of the people here in this room are in the floodplain. You're committed to Jesus Christ, doing life with Him. You're, you're getting wet. You're splashing each other. You love the gathering. You love your small groups. You love your... You sing in, you listen to your praise tapes, you pray to him. We, we do all that kind of thing. And all around us in our generation in this locality are people who need to get wet. And now and again, a church does clever things and, and it digs a really deep channel. Uh, 12 years ago, and we call it the lighthouse. And then there's another one here about eight, seven, eight years ago, and we call it gifted. And then going on here, there are a few other channels, you know, your open house and your schools ministry and all these kind of things. But our job is to get the life of Jesus Christ to as many people in our generation. Before the river flows to the next one. I don't know, let's say in forty years' time, someone's standing here talking to the church. And part of what they think about is how the previous generation of the church just didn't do enough. They just wanted to let it flow on by and let the floodplain get wet. We don't want that, do we? Do we want that? So we need to irrigate. And part of it is, yes, that you set up big things, but do you know what most of it is? Most of it is, is what it says in my favorite psalm, that where people like you and me, wherever we pilgrimage, we make dry places a place of springs. It says this, as you pass through the valley of Bacca, it simply means dryness. As you pass through a dry place, God's people make it a place of springs. Wow. And if enough people do it, then the psalm says this, and then the autumn rains will come and cover it with pools. Well, that'd be great. Appleby, Messingham, Scotter. Winterton, Brig, Haxey, Epworth. Epworth, what a history Epworth's got. That, that place should be wet. People should be drowning in Jesus in Epworth. John Wesley was born there. And so with all the clever things and the formal things that churches can do, like our projects, do you know where most of the wetness will come from? Just from us just just walking and leaving springs, with a hope in our heart that God will cover it with pools. We irrigate. We don't flow on by. We dig channels. We make pipes. And when when time's really tough, we still don't forget to irrigate. We get the buckets out and we keep running to the river and we'll, pull, we'll fill it with a bit of Jesus and we'll run somewhere and we're just going to splash someone because they need Jesus. So you've been away from church too long. Come and see. Splash. Get the water pistols out. Have a bit of Jesus. I jest, but you get the idea. It is so easy for a local church to enjoy the presence of Christ and all that brings, to enjoy being flooded and being soaked that we don't have enough energy left to irrigate the people around us in our generation. So you want to know what local church is? It's a river flowing through time with a clear mission to irrigate the land as it passes generation by generation. And we remember this, that it's the water that brings life and not the channels that are dug. I mean, it's so good to say Gifted has seen this many women and and here they are this morning. And they've been through and they've been exposed to Jesus and to to church and well done gifted. And that's good to do. But people aren't changed by the channel of gifted. They're changed by the water that flows through it. And that's Jesus. Jesus. And may that be a defining characteristic of our church too. So I'm going to come to a challenge or two now. But why don't we stand? The series has ended. <clears throat> Can you close your eyes where you are. We've learned this. That a follower of Jesus is born again. And I urge you, I urge you every day, try and win that battle where you accept your new adopted identity in Jesus. And where the pull of your old life that says, no, but you're, you're, just, you're just Fred, a, a plumber, an electrician, a, you sit behind a desk, you shuffle papers, all you're just this, and part of your life is a Christian, and everything, everything about Jesus screams out and says, "No, no, no. You are a member of my family." Except that we are in a together faith. And as soon as you cross that Rubicon of thinking you can do faith alone, you have a chance of being lost. We are in an us faith. Remember the call of Jesus to go, to go and make disciples. If gathering is inhaling, going is exhaling, have an Have a growing sense in your life that you are on mission for Jesus. Trust the Holy Spirit when Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will give you things to say, will give you boldness, will lead you to places. Trust the Holy Spirit. And then today, we learn this. That we must not be a church that just revels in the presence of God and doing things together with Him and for Him and celebrating and thanking and praising and we flow on by. If we do that, I don't know what kind of local church we are. But we must irrigate the land around us, the people around us, in our generation. What does that mean to you? I don't know. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit now, who's already working in you, causing you to think of things. I wish I could name you and walk along the rows and say, where is the Holy Spirit asking you to irrigate? Right now. Think about it. Think about it right now. Where does the Holy Spirit want you to irrigate? Is there a channel you need to, to dig? Is there, a, is there a pipe you need to lay? Is there a bucket you need to fill? And you need to take it to someone who's, they've not seen water like that for a long while. joy it is to walk alongside a river in, in lush vegetation with trees growing strong and plants all around you and, and the wildlife thriving because the land is just irrigated can we believe that for our generation can we believe that we can be part of the irrigation forget our big projects forget them what about me? what about you? Holy Spirit thank you for being here carrying the presence of Jesus Christ thank you for just the sense that people are having right now of identity and call. Let it become clearer and clearer to them even in this moment that they can join with you on your mission saying the kingdom of God is near the kingdom of God is here can you taste him can you feel him Give people revelation right now, that they are water carriers of the true source of life. Give them boldness and confidence to step out, to act, to make the phone call, to make the visit, to write the letter, to send the text that forms that first bit of channel of irrigation. But let us all the time, Lord, revel in you, the water of life. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.